Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Somebody been shot Somebody's been abused Somebody blew up a building Somebody stole a car Somebody got away Somebody didn't get too far Welcome to the Conservative View with me, your host, Jeff Gorman. We're going to have a great show for you this hour, 4 o'clock every Saturday on 1460 and 101.1 Power Talk. I am your host. We are going to cover some political news, but this is not a news show. This is an opinion show, and we like to review the news with a little conservative outlook because we don't think the news media here does a good enough job understanding the perspective of the conservative. So here's a little outline of the show today. I'm sitting here, by the way, with my good friend, Brian Higgins. Hello, everyone. Me and Brian do this every week, Saturdays at four, and I just want to give you a little outline of the show. We had the president of Ukraine speak to Congress this week. There's a lot of news and discussion around that, and we'll just cover that for a little while. I also, there was an interest rate hike this week. Inflation is tremendously out of control, as we all know. And the Federal Reserve is what we call behind the curve. I'll give you a little bit of market insight into that. Also, maybe discuss what it means for mortgage rates and so forth. And then related to that is this question of whether the U.S. dollar will remain the reserve currency of the world and what petrodollars means. That's been in the news a little bit. I want to give you some perspective on that. We will cover the Hunter Biden laptop story, which resurfaced this week with the New York Times running a story, a parallel story, where they referenced the laptop front that you may remember from October of 2020. Well, their hard news section, not their editorials, ran the story with this Hunter Biden laptop as established fact. Somehow that blithely slipped in without any discussion. So we're going to revisit that from fall of 2020 when the New York Post was suppressed off of Twitter for running the story. Anyone that mentioned the story in the two weeks before the election was silenced on Twitter, and it's criminal. And in particular, I want to talk about the letter that Leon Panetta, a man that claims to have served the public, published in order to get his good friend and incompetent president, Biden, elected by, by using the weight of his former office to suppress the story. So we'll cover that letter. I'll read it to you a little bit. There's some news breaking this week on J.D. Alvarado, the Salinas police officer that was gunned down on the streets of Salinas. First time someone had been shot dead in Salinas on the line of duty, a police officer in the entire history of Salinas, to my knowledge, 80 years since anyone had died in the line of duty. And it turns out that the illegal immigrant community is one for one. They, are, they have 100% of the police officer kills in streets of Salinas are by illegal immigrants. So we'll cover that story a little bit for you too with some commentary about this man's record with ICE and with the criminal justice system in California, which he should have never been exposed to. He should have been deported and kept out of this country. Next, I want to cover our good friend. I am a follower of Tucker Carlson. I have watched him as this process got going, and I, I want to differentiate my view from his a little bit. I do still appreciate Tucker, but I think there's a point at which we need to concede a little bit of national unity here. And then finally, Mitt Romney making some just absurd and destructive comments about Tulsi Gabbard. So, um, Gabbard. So that's basically the outline of the show. We'll probably get into a little bit of local news. Of course, we want to commemorate once again our fallen J.D. Alvarado of Salinas, 
who was killed in the line of duty. That guy's going to get justice. I am trusting. It's tragic, and it shows that the deterrent factor is lacking. We need, we need to bolster our police. We need to fund our police. We need to encourage them, and we need the bad guys to know they're going to pay the price for bad acts. And so I'm looking to Salinas to bolster its police force. I want pressure on those four Salinas City Council people that voted to defund the police last year. They need to reverse themselves. They need to make public statements. The mayor of San Francisco came out and stepped way far away from the quote-unquote criminal justice reform movement, and she said, we need police and we need security. And, and you know what? Those leftists on city council that voted to defund want to reverse themselves. God bless them. Hurry up. And Kimberly Craig, we need your leadership in Salinas. Don't run for supervisor. Salinas needs you. You are the mayor of Salinas. You need to drive that train. You need to get the Salinas PD bolstered up, funded, and confident. And you need to let the criminals know they cannot act this way. So there's my two cents on that one. And of course, the next one is the sheriff's race. We have a tremendous sheriff's race. The current sheriff, Sheriff Bernal, has served well for almost eight years. He is stepping back. There are, I think the number is four candidates that are all somewhat qualified. I mean, none of them have really been tested in that role. It's They're going to be a new sheriff. All of them have law enforcement experience. You know, two of them are Democrats, two of them are Republicans. I would love to see the two Republicans agree on, on who's going to be the lead candidate. It's not too late for that. But right now it looks like there's going to be two Republicans on the ballot. And it's not a partisan race. It's nonpartisan, as Sheriff Bernal pointed out to me. But I cannot abide by the choice of Joe Moses to hire Clean Sweep Campaigns, which Clean Sweep's Campaigns does and advertises on their website that they do pro bono work for Black Lives Matter. You've got to back the police. Black Lives Matter Incorporated is nowhere near where we want to be here in the Central Coast. We've got to straighten that out. Of course, Black Lives Matter, but all lives matter. And Black Lives Matter is a corporation that is against the American way. It's against the American family. They want to defund police, which is the most ludicrous thing. We've seen where that leads. Horrible crimes, smash and grabs, thefts, closures of stores. You know, it's just ludicrous. And for that guy, Joe Moses, who I've met and I like, you know, I mean, I can I can stand him. But it's insane to hire that kind of a campaigning group to try and win an election when you're pushing our society in the wrong direction. So we got to go in the right direction. Uh, you know, I like Justin Patterson. He's running as well. He's a good man. My, my uh, I guess I'm making a formal endorsement of Jeff Hoyne. I'm going to try and get Jeff Hoyne on the show in the near future. He did. He, they, they both did a good job. Both Justin and Jeff did a good job speaking to the Monterey County uh, people last week. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll have both of them on. We'll talk about it, but we can't split the vote. It's probably going to go to November. We need to have a great, strong law and order candidate. So those are our guys, Jeff Hoyne and Justin Patterson. And now a word from our sponsor. You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 FM. You can reach me at 831-375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com, and the address, if you want to send a check, is gormanforcongress, 215 W. Franklin Street, Suite 312, and that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support. So, on with the show. President Zelensky of the Ukraine addressed remotely the U.S. Congress. That's the first time in quite some time we've had a foreign address of the U.S. Congress. There has been many times in history when that's happened. And of course, the reason for it now is all of our hearts go out to the Ukrainian people. We are witnessing the brutal aggression of President Putin. And honestly, I want to play some clips of President Trump speaking to NATO in 2018. First is going to be the Supreme Commander of NATO just welcoming President Trump. First of all, it's great to see you again, Mr. President, and uh, good to have you here for the uh, summit. And uh, we are going to discuss many important issues at the summit. Among them is defense spending. And we all agree that we have to do more. I agree with you that we have to uh, make sure that allies are investing more. The good news is that uh, allies have started to invest more in uh, defense. So that's a nice introduction. I mean, ob- he's obviously a nice man, able to communicate kindly to President Trump. and. 
By the way, the clicking noise, kind of annoying, sorry about that, but it's cameras going off in the room. And so I want to play for you what President Trump says back. It's a little long, but please listen. The meeting you're going to have with President Putin, uh, and I think that leaders are also looking forward to uh, your thoughts about the meeting with President Putin at, uh, later on. Uh. Well, I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia, where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70 percent of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. So there you go. That was the back in 2018 when that went down. And President Trump is pointing out the vulnerability of Germany in particular and the rest of the NATO countries to Russian energy and that the Russian energy purchases are paying off Russia and bolstering Russia when the United States is paying for their defense. And the mainstream media here in this country just complained like NATO was going to fall apart because President Trump's attacking NATO. President Trump was trying to make NATO ready for today. And so we hear President Zelensky talking about what he needs. What he really needs is American leadership. What he needs is a president that is not feckless and a foreign policy that's not dominated by green dreams. So I don't know, Brian, set me straight. Am I about right on that? I think you're uh, pretty much hitting the nail on the head there. No, no mean tweets killed any Ukrainians. Right. Yeah. I mean, the mean tweets aside, what President Trump said is exactly right. And by the way, if you didn't know this, I, I kind of follow German history a little bit. Gerhard Schroeder was the last socialist president or chancellor of Germany. And he went immediately to work for Russia's Nord Stream partner, this company that's building pipelines into Germany through the Baltic Sea. And he is, you know, he's siding. That guy, Gerhard Schroeder, is a Putin puppet. And he ran Germany for a period of time. So Mr. Trump is exactly right. Very few Americans know about Gerhard Schroeder. Very few Americans understand the difference between Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, or the fact that the Ukraine also has pipelines going into Europe. But there's a lot at play here. And the media, the mainstream media are a bunch of nincompoops and they didn't get it right. They totally blew it. And we'll cover some other areas where they're way off. But one thing I found interesting this week is people talking about no-fly zones that maybe don't really fully understand it in the media. And I am not an Air Force guy. I'm not a pilot. I never worked on a you know missile defense system or anything like that. But I get it that once, once the United States starts shooting down Russian planes, the tension's going to go up quite a bit. Uh, I will point out that a few years ago in, in Turkey, Russia had planes flying around Syria that were periodically going into Turkish airspace. And Turkey has a very active military and they noticed it and they warned the pilots. Generally, the pilots went back, but there were several times when the Russian pilots stayed for several minutes over Turkish airspace. And eventually Turkey shot down a Russian plane. I believe it killed the Russian pilot. And that, you know, that was an incursion by Russia into NATO. And this is a place serious, much further away from Russia, a place where Russia had very little business. They couldn't they couldn't claim it was in their national security interest like they were being attacked or anything. Where if we go and fly airplanes into the Ukraine right up to the Russian border to enforce a no-fly zone, there's a pretty good chance an American pilot gets shot down and the, the carnage lands in Russia. And that would be very bad. So I think, um, you know, it's a tricky one. But the thing about Zelensky is that guy's got a ton of heart. And I know the American people are loving on the Ukrainians and praying for them and hoping for a good outcome here. But I'm concerned we're going to take a peace deal, which is sort of what Putin probably thought he would get when he went into this. I, I'm sure this is going much worse than he thought it would. But he has pulled it off with Georgia, then with Syria, and then with Crimea, which was is still legally, from the American point of view, Crimea is a Ukrainian territory. But he's occupied it eight years and we stopped complaining about it. So if we accept any kind of peace now, 
he knows we will stop complaining about it eventually, and it'll just be a status quo thing. And that eastern Ukrainian area has been devastated for a long time. Eight years is a long time. I mean, we're talking about Beirut 50 years ago. Similarly, it was a beautiful town. Beautiful, Everything was hunky-dory. And once the civil war broke out there, Beirut's never been the same. It's 50 years later. So you have this problem that Zelensky faces, and we really, you know, American foreign policy is very important to the peace in the world. So that is a wrap on that one. I want to move next to the oil markets because the sanctions have caused oil prices to go way up. So we've seen inflation going up, but it's not just because of directly what we pay for fuel, but all the suppliers and businesses are paying more for energy and inflation is way up. Well, that's all Putin's fault. I, I heard on MSNBC. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian, because in fact, inflation was already up for the last five months quite a bit. I mean, you, last year, it's been a 7%. It's are not, you, are it's, you sure? I thought it was all Putin. Do you know the Democrats are so sinister and the media is so in bed with them that they are really planning. I mean, you can see it. They are planning to tell us it's all Putin's fault. Well, I think actually, you know, in, in all seriousness, you've been talking uh, for quite a while now on this show about the fiscal policy, the monetary policy. And how that feeds into inflation. The debt is accumulating very rapidly still today. The Fed has been accommodating, even though they raised interest rates this week, which will cause higher mortgage rates, it will cause higher car loan rates. It was a quarter of a point. And we have 7% inflation. The last time we had 7% inflation, the Fed had already taken interest rates up to 19%. So the Fed is way behind the curve here at one half of 1% top of the Fed range. So we are, uh, we're looking at higher rates. The oil market, you know, we put in these sanctions and we already had sanctions on Iran, Venezuela. Then China buys their fuel from whoever they can. They don't really care that much about our sanctions. We are basically driving Russia towards China and China really wants to be the global dominant force. And part of that being the global dominant force is having transactions in your currency. Now, I think business people would be stupid to depend on China for anything. They don't believe in private property. They obviously don't respect individuals and personal well-being. So I don't think they're going to be successful, but we're seeing quite a lot of chatter about the dollar as a reserve currency and calling that into question. I think that that's misplaced, that the U.S. sanctions will be able to bite. It's interesting. I don't know how many listeners would remember the name Mark Rich, but he was pardoned at the end of the Clinton administration he was living in Switzerland because he was under indictment in the United States, and he was pardoned by Clinton because his wife had donated to the Clinton campaign back in the 90s. But Mark Rich, was the reason he was indicted was he was an oil trader caught doing illegal trades with Iran, and he fled the country. And Bar Mr. Clinton, President Bill Clinton, pardoned him, and that that whole thing of illegal oil trading has been going on forever. Sanctions aren't perfect. And, it, and we create this market that's away from the United States. And recycled petrodollars are a big part of that. And if they get going in foreign currency like Chinese renminbi or in Russian rubles, if Iran and Venezuela start finding ways, finding clients that will buy their oil with their local currency instead of dollars, that makes it a little harder for us to enforce sanctions. So the, there's a lot at stake with this system. Um, I, I, by the way, am not terribly concerned about the reserve currency status. I think a lot of our problem is based on the trade deficit. The trade deficit has to do with price levels. In other words, American goods, if American dollar is very strong, American goods are harder to sell internationally. And the reserve currency status makes your currency strong. It makes it easier to get away with deficits, fiscal deficits and trade deficits, but it makes it harder for your producers. So what a, a lot of the squawking heads on the right are worried about, including Tucker Carlson and others, Glenn Beck, what they're worried about is real. Reserve status can be weakened and can dampen, and it will affect our ability to do sanctions. But at the same time, the American industry will benefit from a, from the weaker dollar in foreign markets and make it easier for us to sell goods into Germany, Japan, all of our allies. Well, I don't want to get you <laughs> sidetracked, but didn't you have something that you want to talk about, Tucker Carlson? Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking about Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh, when I watched Tucker Carlson. I mean, I, I've appreciated Tucker. I think he's very incisive. Actually, this week, I kind of hit maximum frustration with him. And then I watched one of his Tucker Carlson Todays, and he was talking to the police chief of Detroit that's running for governor. That man is 
brilliant, my kind of guy, this police chief. And it was a great conversation. So Tucker Carlson is a valued member of American society. But we are at a point where it's, there's a Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh was a guy that was a hero, national hero. But he just didn't understand the conflict with, with Hitler. I almost said with Russia, <laughs> but with, um, with Hitler. And, and his name is besmirched. And interestingly, the mainstream media doesn't really hit him too hard on that now. But I think it, it's, it's just an area that as a commentator, you want to make sure to default. And I've seen some evidence that Tucker is making statements like to say, of course, if we get to where we're at war with Russia, I'll be with America 100%. But the fact that he even had to say that in his show this week was a sign that somebody told him, hey, you're sounding like you care more about Putin than the United States. Yeah, I mean, his spin went a little bit far, in my opinion. I agree with you. Yeah, I got actually calls from clients that were like, what's going on? You know, if you ever bring that name up with me again, I'm like, oh, okay. No, I, I, uh, I, I will stand by him, but I will also correct what I think is wrong. Um, okay, so that's kind of fun. And here we are on the Gorman for Congress show. I mean, this show is an advertisement for my campaign. I'm running for Congress, and it's been an interesting week. I have four counties that I, I run in. I've gotten the endorsement of the Republican Party of three of those, Monterey County, Republican Party, Santa Cruz County, Republican Party, Santa Clara County, Republican Party. The district includes Almaden Valley. So if you know folks up there, please please tell them you, you're interested in getting them acquainted with their congressional candidate, Jeff Gorman. It's the Congressional District 19. And I, I went down this week. I've been trying to spend more and more time down in San Luis Obispo because it's a new part of the district. It's not in the old district at all. And I'm getting to know those great folks down there. I, I came very close to getting the endorsement. It's a two-thirds majority that I needed. And I, I, I hear that I got all but one of what I needed to, to make the endorsement. So, so it's kind of a bummer, but I'm going to be spending more time down there. And there's a lot of great wineries. We're looking at an event coming up. So It's a beautiful part of California. I'm excited. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get that event posted this weekend uh, on my website, gormanforcongress.com. And uh, also on the website now, people can find a link to the podcast. Oh, that's great. For, for current good. shows, and, and we're slowly uploading the, the past shows. Yeah. So we'll have the whole library in there soon. And if you're listening and you've got technical skills, give me a holler at 831-375-2227. Because we're looking at how to index shows and make it easier for people to find my comments on issues they care about. Um, I think it's better to have it be a conversational type of a tenor. I think if I put it out in white papers and grandiose platforms and thoughts that are all articulated in writing, it sounds like I have the definitive thought. I believe government is a dynamic thing. The Constitution is written and, and set, but a lot of policymaking and laws I think they tend to go a little heavy sometimes. So I just like to have it be a dialogue. So the website is gormanforcongress.com, right, Jeff? Oh, yes, yes. And, and the more people that check that out, the better. We are uh, we're trying to get more pictures up there, stuff to look at. But ultimately, I want you to know who I am. And I think podcasts made out of these shows is going to be the, one of the best ways. And before we drift off of um, before we drift off the Ukraine thing too, too much, you know, Mitt Romney made some comments about Tulsi Gabbard the other day, and he called her her comments treasonous. It's not quite saying she committed treason, but it's pretty much saying she committed treason. And all that she said was, and this is as a pilot for the U.S. Armed Forces, still, I believe, I think she's still in, but she served the whole time she was in Congress. She was also an Air Force or an Army pilot. I believe she... Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure what she flew, but she's a pilot. She knows about airspaces and rules of engagement when you're in an armed airplane. And Mitt Romney doesn't. Mitt Romney was a consultant that helped move American-made products and the industry for those to foreign nations and got paid a lot of money for doing that. That's how he got rich. Did Mitt ever serve in the armed forces? <laughs> I don't think he did. I heard he might have gotten a deferment or four during the Vietnam draft era. I think it was closer to four. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I've just... I guess I'm putting that out there. If you're a Democrat that happens to be listening, it's not like I think all Republicans good, all Democrats bad. Not at all. I just think there's a clear difference on foreign policy. I think that President Biden is in big trouble. What's happening now will go down in his permanent record. And if that sounds a little juvenile, that's because I'm about to transition to Hunter Biden. He's the smartest man that Joe Biden's ever met. <laughs> Joe Biden did say that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. 
This week, the New York Times, I mentioned at the intro of the show, New York Times ran a story talking about Hunter Biden's tax problems, which he paid this big tax bill, but there's still a federal investigation into his activities because he was he's now admitting that he took revenue from a foreign source without being a, affecting the government without being a foreign registered agent among other problems with the IRS and uh, and the federal government. But the New York Times story of that, the, the very good journalist knew the facts and he covered the facts and he gave the background. And one of the important pieces of background is there's this Hunter Biden laptop that was discovered in 2020 at a computer store and became evidence for the presidential election. That was Russian misinformation. That That's what I learned in the media. <laughs> that's... Uh... That is very problematic that that story was covered that way in 2020. So just just consider this letter. It's a it's labeled public statement on the Hunter Biden emails. That's the title of this letter from October 19, 2020, which Leon Panetta, a famous person here in our community, wrote and the father of Jimmy Panetta. I mean, pretty much the claim to Jimmy's fame. He's a community leader. He's a community leader. He's in the public eye. He's famous. And I think that it is necessary to disclose what he said and bring it to the attention of the Monterey people, the, the Central Coast people here. Quote, we are all individuals who devote, devoted significant portions of our lives to national security. Some of us served in senior positions in policy departments and agencies. Some of us served in senior positions in the intelligence community. Some of us were political appointees and some were career officials. Many of us worked for presidents of both parties. We are all also individuals who see Russia as one of our national nation's primary adversaries. All of us have an understanding of the wide range of Russian overt and covert activities that undermine U.S. national security, with some of us knowing Russian behavior intimately as we work to defend our nation against it for a career. A few of us worked against Russian information operations in the United States in the last several years. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the third paragraph. Perhaps most important, each of us believes deeply that the American citizens should determine the outcome of elections, not foreign governments. All of us agree with the Founding Fathers' concern about the damage that foreign interference in our politics can do to our democracy. Fourth paragraph. It is for all these reasons that we write to say that the arrival on the U.S. political scene of emails purportedly belonging to Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, much of it related to his time serving on the board of the Ukraine gas company Burisma, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. So the letter goes on to say, if uh, you know, we want to emphasize we don't know if these emails are real and they're from the New York Post and President Trump's attorney at Giuliani, etc. But it says, if we are right, that this is Russia trying to influence how Americans vote in this election. And we believe strongly that Americans need to be aware of this. Now, that's they, they, they're allowed to make a statement. Leon Panetta signed this letter, but I haven't heard one peep of apology from Leon Panetta about this. And this though, that laptop and those emails are real. And the American people did not know because the mainstream media did suppress it on the basis of this letter. And they referenced this letter to say why they were suppressing it. And they didn't come out and say, well, if we're wrong, we're also suppressing an important amount of information that is relevant to the United States voter when they're voting for the commander in yeah. chief. Yeah, so basically Leon Panetta... I don't want to say you have hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians' bloods on your hands, but you kind of do. And this was a big, big mistake. And I will accept your apology, but you owe us one. You owe us one. You are a very partisan person. And every time you say bipartisan to me, every listen, listener, every time 
You hear a Democrat partisan say they want to be bipartisan, watch out for the knife in your back. And listen, now I need to soften that because I know I can be over the top Republican partisan. I am very partisan. I am very Republican. But I love America and I do believe that we need a two-party system. The parties are necessary to keep each other in check. One of the big problems we're seeing on the streets of California right now is the Democratic Party got too strong, way too strong. There is no check on Gavin Newsom. There is no check on the Democratic Party's control of the Assembly and the California Senate. And there is no check on the California influence on the Democratic Party nationwide. Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Dianne Feinstein, Adam Schiff, Ted Lieu. You know, the list goes on and on of terrible, terrible, I mean, horrible people. People that are doing terrible things to this country. Maxine Waters. Some of the worst Democrats in the nation come Swalwell. from. Swalwell. Eric Swalwell sleeps with spies. You know, I mean, these are despicable people. These are people that shouldn't be in office. I mean, I, you know, I want to serve in Congress, and I may have to look at these people in the face, but I will never pretend I don't know what they've done. The, these, these people are bad news. And, you know, someone like Nancy Pelosi, I, to be honest with you, wasn't paying attention to her 25 years ago. Maybe she was sharp as, you know, sharp as a tack and, you know, quick as a whip. But she is clearly past her prime, and the party under her is doing horrible things. Jimmy Panetta is the Democrat Party. I think he's the deputy whip. He's in party leadership in there. Don't think for a minute, if you're upset about the direction the current administration and the current Congress is taking this country, that your congressman isn't responsible. Jimmy Panetta is directly responsible for what's going on right now, for the inflation, for the murder of J.D. Alvarado. Let's, you know, I'm jumping topics a little bit, but we're just about there. J.D. Alvarado, the Salinas police officer that was shot February 25th, shot dead for no reason, just out of the blue, by a man that had a substantial criminal rap sheet. Well, this week, KSBW ran a story finally covering his immigration status, his nationality. He is a Mexican national. He was, he was known to be in this country illegally in 2008, I believe it was. He's been in and out of jail. He was on probation at the time. He was not supposed to have firearms. You know, we we need gun control laws that will keep probation people from possessing guns, Brian. Oh, wait, we already have those. So what do we need to do? Start enforcing the laws, people. And now this is a chance for me to bag on that drunk driver, Luis Alejo. You know, Luis Alejo, about 10 months ago, had a DUI. But 40 years ago, he was, or 35 years ago, he was promoting the Brown Berets and Mexican Nazi type stuff. He's now a supervisor in Monterey County in District 1, and he has been arguing for a sanctuary state his entire political career. He's on some kind of a mission to destroy the United States of America. He literally hates this country. And the guy, you know, has he admitted that his policies, that Luis Luis Alejo's policy of sanctuary state, sanctuary city, sanctuary county, all that stuff, pushing Bernal to let, not let ICE in the Monterey County Jail. Will he admit that if ICE was in the Monterey County Jail, J.D. Alvarado would be alive right now, which means he he took leadership and he failed. He should well, actually resign for multiple reasons, and that's a big one. I'll just say, we, we don't know if, if Morales was in the Monterey County Jail. We don't? Where was he on? Well, maybe, yeah, if we don't, we don't. And look, I'm, I'm definitely going heavy. I'm trying to push back. We are way off balance. I'm pushing on the other side as hard as I can. And it may seem a little over the top. And Luis, Luis Alejo, I've met you. You went to Cal. You cheer for Cal during football games. I'm with you on that. But you've got to start admitting when you're wrong. And the sanctuary state policies are so, so wrong. And if you know this guy and you like him and you're mad at me right now, at least admit that we have a real problem in this country. And it goes from national security, border policy, right down to the streets of Salinas. And it's it's a real, real thing. You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 FM. You can reach me at 831 831- 375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com. And the address, if you want to send a check, is Gorman for Congress, 215 W Franklin Street, 
Suite 312, and that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support. And uh, as Brian said a few minutes ago, we are introducing podcasts onto the website so you can capture the show after the fact. And um, we're actually toying with some ideas of doing a live show that involves um, having people be able to talk to us during the show and ask questions and so forth. So sign up for our newsletter, get our emails and notifications of podcasts coming out, and we'll keep you informed. So, uh, Brian, you want to distract me from, from being uh, yeah, uh, all Yeah, I just upset? wanted to throw out there, you know, it's a big week in sports. We've got March Madness going on. But more importantly, we've got the national champion transgender swimmer. Oh, now. what's going on in transgender swimming? Well... Leah Thomas is a national championship, um, and I, I'm pre- pretty sure that everyone's heard about this story. Um, a year or two ago, he, he, she was William Thomas, um, but now she's Leah Thomas, and she's taking a big bite out of the records in her school's division, um, and now she's a national champion in at least one event. So, but, And is she a champion in your mind? That's what I'm interested in, Brian. so i'm just wondering now does this a surgically uh improved woman or is this a still pretty manly woman do you know because swimsuits are actually fairly revealing especially competitive swimsuits he's she she, he she don't worry you won't offend me i don't think you'll offend too many she's a very handsome woman (laughs) she's a very handsome woman long beautiful hair strong cheekbones Mm -hmm. strong chin Big shoulders. Big shoulders. And bolt, beat the world's record in like a five-minute race by 40 seconds or something, I understand. Like, just incredibly... I think, I think it was a pool record. Incredibly not a powerful record. female swimmer. A pool record, not yeah, a world record? Not a okay. world record, okay. yeah. Thank you for correcting me. I hate to be wrong on anything, especially something as important as transgender swimming. Well, I, I just thought I'd cover that since my, my alma mater got knocked out of the basketball tournament. So, I decided to follow women's swimming. Yeah. Well, I can't help but somehow my mind is drifting back to gas prices at six bucks plus right now out there. And actually, interesting, oil prices went way, way up and they're coming back down. And I just think the world's kind of going upside down. You know, we, we we're talking about importing oil from Venezuela and Iran. We're talking about men swimming in women's events. And I don't know. I haven't heard anything for a while about transgender track. Are there? But why is the world so upside down right now, Brian? Is it? Is there like actually some wizard behind the curtain pulling our strings and jerking us around? There might be. It sure seems like that sometimes. And so, you know, I put my candidate statement out there this week. I didn't mention trans swimming or transgender track, but I did talk a little bit about why I want to be the United States representative from this area. And we, we really, we, the people need to stand up because there's loony bins running the asylum right now. There is craziness going on out there. And this, these things, These transgender sports questions, I suppose at some level there are a number of people, you know, just based on the law of large number and the tiny statistics of of truly confused people about their gender. But the fact is, we've got to get we the people thinking with a little more common sense. So I will be your law and order representative. Your personal security and the security of your liberties will always be my top priority. That was, those are my opening comments in my statements that will be published in the Monterey County Voter Guide. I pledge to support and defend our Constitution, which has stood the test of time. And this, you know, transgenderism has come and gone in history. There's been other times. There's actually a movie about Queen Elizabeth where the, the crown prince of France comes over to visit and he's, he's substantially transgender portrayal in the movie. And that's 500 years ago, Queen Elizabeth, you know, of... Yeah, well, Henry VIII's son, daughter, son. See how, see how easy the confusion it's is. Very contagious? confusing. Yeah. So, so, um, so we've got ourselves a very confusing time, and our culture is in big trouble. We need clarity about things. We need common sense to prevail. I we need we need people that are registered Democrat, like they did in the Reagan era, to go ahead and cross the aisle and vote for the person, and that person should have clarity. I want to be that person to you. If you'd like to let me know your thoughts. Give me a call, 831-375-2227. Leave me a voicemail. I will, uh, you know, if you're courteous, I'll almost certainly call you back. I I enjoy chatting with people, even if they disagree with me. Because sometimes, especially if they disagree with me, I learn from my my rivals. And so, with that said, um, you know, Brian, healthcare is a hot potato. And socialized medicine is a big concern. 
but Medicare is very popular, right? So we, we don't want to attack Medicare. Similarly, education is a hot potato. And there's a lot of this transgender confusion is coming from public school teachers and honestly, some private school teachers, but teachers that seem to think that their job is not to worry about correcting grammar or checking addition and subtraction numbers, but actually trying to straighten out confusion about gender. Is that right? Well, I, I just know don't say gay. <laughs> don't say gay. Do you know the name of that law? Because I, I saw a Saturday Night Live skit on it where they were like using the don't say gay theme over and over. But I think that the name of the bill doesn't actually say gay in it, right? Well, and you are still actually allowed to say gay in the state of Florida. Are you? So I, I don't even know why it got that title. That's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think because it was good PR and that, you know, one thing the left has very creative PR people. And when we need some of you, you know, if you're starting to look on your side and you're listening to this as doing candidate opposition research or whatever, and you're seeing that your side has got something wrong, we need you over on, on the right. Come on over. We need creative people. In fact, during the show, I got a text. You guys might have heard the ding, but um, I got a text from a guy that makes videos. He's very creative. He's good at making advertisements. And I need, I need help on that front. So, Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I was going to bring up... Uh, Shapiro and Bill Maher. Oh yeah, had a had a one on one, and they discussed the the Florida bill at length. And it's amazing seeing those two gentlemen who are a lot of times polar opposites on issues, but yeah. they they came to the middle and they agreed. And a Bill Maher certainly makes jokes alluding to this, but he's gay, right? I mean, Bill Maher's gay, isn't he? I think he is. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not judging that, but I'm just saying Bill Maher is a left wing commentator generally speaking he bags on right-wing people he bagged on trump horribly during his presidency but he's come around and he's seen no he's still he still bags on mr. oh yeah trump. he's not he does not looking forward to mr trump coming back in 2024 but he does see the flaws with biden he sees that president trump was strong on national security and that this probably wouldn't happen i mean in fact did not happen during president trump's reign even though crimea had already happened under vice president biden so well, the the big thing that he's been talking about in his shows recently which I'm wondering how it's uh, res resonating with his listeners is, you know, he's attacking the woke crowd because mm -hmm. they're ruining the ability to have free and open discussions in this country. Yeah. And it's, it's very oppressive. And I know people in this community have felt intimidated, like they can't speak their mind about foreign policy or about domestic policy, sanctuary state laws. They, they feel like they can't say it because they'll, they'll ruin their relationships at work and, and they're, that's their livelihood. Well, if you wanted to share the Hunter Biden story back when it came out, Twitter banned the entire thing. You couldn't post. You couldn't even send a direct message on Twitter yes. linking the article. It's like Soviet-era oppression right here at home. So that's a that's a factor, and it has affected our elections here. So that's a big part of the reason to do the radio show every week is just keep chipping away. Keep saying the things that other people are afraid to say. I'm not afraid, obviously. I mean, I'm taking on the track record of Leon Panetta. He's very popular here. He's famous. And to, to an extent, we, Brian and I were talking about it. Brian studied the law and practiced law for a little while. The, the word defame usually is a negative context and, and it can have criminal liability or um, not criminal, but civil liability, right? Correct. So, but when someone is famous and they need to be taken down, it's the job of someone to defame that person. I mean, the, the fame needs to come down. There's the guy is resuscitating right now, Hillary Clinton. That lady should probably be in prison. And he's going to have her talk at the Panetta Institute. And he couldn't find anyone. Usually he likes to have some rhino, and I hate using the word rhino, but some soft right-wing person come and talk on the other side. And that gives kind of a layup to the Democrat point of view, which is what he wants around here. And he couldn't find anybody. So he's having a former Cameron, former prime minister of, of the United Kingdom, come opposite of Hillary Clinton. And maybe, it's, maybe he could have reached out to Mitt Romney. He, he probably, oh my gosh, that's funny. I I, I dread that. I mean, I, I actually remember voting for Mitt Romney. I remember thinking he was right when in the debate with President Obama, he said the biggest national security threat is Russia. And now the media's come around and agreed with him. Yeah, but just like the Biden laptop, that was in campaign season and they just wanted him shut up, right? And they shut him up. So similarly, there's this word defame and it's not, I'm not trying to defame Leon Panetta on a personal level, but he made this just blatantly political statement with 50 other people. And it just shows how that the swamp is a real thing. The swamp in Washington, D.C. is a real thing. And actually, the 23rd Psalm, Lo, though I walk through the valley of death, where are the swamps? They're in the valley floor. That's where the swamps are. 
Washington, D.C. is not the shining city on the hill that is America, that Reagan talked about, that I think it was Bradford, somebody from the Pilgrim era, talked about and wrote about. And that, you know, Jesus himself says, you don't take your light and put a bushel over it. We need, the United States needs to let its light shine. But don't think for a minute that the people in Washington, D.C. that run our national security apparatus are the ones that are really our bright lights. They are just, this letter with 50 of them signing it, just patently political, patently false. And it, yet it carried the day and it carried a, a, a lame, crippled, and cognitively impaired man to the presidency when we had a president that had gotten us to the lowest unemployment rec levels ever seen across many categories, black, Asian, Hispanic, women, all record low unemployment. The United States had grown as fast as we'd ever seen. Inflation was very low. There, Things were going well. And then COVID comes in, and that's a whole nother ball of wax. That's a whole nother news story that was, it still is being hidden from the, from the world. Yeah, well, I, I just saw a headline this week that 25% of childhood deaths that had been attributed on the CDC database to COVID were magically removed this week. Wow. One quarter of all the deaths of people zero to 18 were removed from the rolls of COVID. Well, wasn't that number actually in the United States in the hundreds? I mean, it wasn't even... <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the fact that we put masks on kids that we're still right now mandating vaccines for these kids, there's a big question mark, and I don't know the answer. I've certainly heard horror stories, both on the personal and anecdotal level and on the large numbers, like 10,000 type numbers of people that have had very severe adverse effects of the vaccine. I'm not anti-vax, but I think typically, like you see all those medical commercials for various medicines, they are required to talk about side effects in those. And you never see Joe Biden talk about side effects. You never see Gavin Newsom talk about side effects. There are real liabilities that should be addressed here that these, these firms have a waiver for and the government's not talking about. Well, and how many thousands, how many millions of children now have emotional issues, depression, or they're lacking, they're two years behind in education. Yeah, and those are always subjective because it's, you know, judging someone's emotional state is not easy, but when they're dead of drug overdose or they have successfully committed suicide, those numbers are hard and sad numbers and they're big numbers. The other item I wanted to ask you about is the new uh, nuclear arms deal that we're negotiating with uh, Iran. Yeah, you know, there's another one that we thought we had put to bed. The, Obama administration delivered pallets of cash to Iran to basically try to bribe them into not developing atomic weapons and the centrifuges and all of that. And there's question marks. Israel definitely did not believe they complied with the laws. And President Trump basically turned that around and really enforced. They, he scrapped that deal and started enforcing the sanctions on Iran very hard. And now that that deal, it came it's back from the grave. I mean, it's the... And who are the countries that are negotiating with us? What? Yeah, we've got to make sure our, that Russia agrees with us on this policy. Is that what, what and Biden China? Thinks? I believe. Yeah, Ooh. it's nuts. It's totally nuts. And Israel is is at the point of acting on its own. They, my understanding is they've done some some attacks on Iranian drone airports or something like that. So yeah, this this situation is not good. And speaking of other things than Ukraine in terms of warfare, the cartels are in open war against the government again in Mexico. There was a, a couple of years ago, there was a horrible incident. Bill Barr was the uh, attorney general. I just heard him speaking about this this week. There was a, a coastal village, kind of a middle-class Mexican village that was ravaged by a 700 warfighting cartel army. That's a battalion sized force came and, and decimated the city and terrorized the city until the Mexican government decided to give up El Chapo's son. And that, that happened a few years ago. Well, now, similar warfare with burning trucks throughout the city to block traffic and terror on the streets. I think it was Laredo, right across the Mexican border uh, with Texas. And this stuff, you know, the world's getting hot out there. And we, we need a national security team that knows what they're doing. Interestingly, I'll give this little feather to, to my rival there, Jimmy Panetta. Right after he got done giving us the most incompetent president we've ever had, somebody that totally eclipsed both the worst traits of Obama and Jimmy Carter put together, we got ourselves Biden. Jimmy very astutely pointed out, I don't know if Biden's capable of handling the responsibility of commander in chief of our nuclear arsenal. And he wrote a letter. I'll, maybe I'll read that letter another day, but he challenges whether it's, you know, maybe the time has come where we don't have the president be the commander in chief of our nuclear arsenal. He wanted to put the hands, instead of saying, I made a mistake, Biden, you should resign. 
he said, let's create a new bureaucracy, a new committee that will make sure that we never, ever know what we're supposed to do with nuclear weapons or what they're for. And meanwhile, you've got Putin actually threatening nuclear war. Putin needs to understand the competence of his forces is not as good as he thought and that our nuclear forces are very competent. I think that President Trump said it very well when he said to North Korea's little rocket man, yeah, you've got a button, but mine's bigger. And you know, obviously that's a loaded statement, but it was pretty, pretty decisive because anyone that looks at the situation understands we have had very smart people developing these weapons that we pray never get used. And literally let's pray to God that these things never get used. But if Putin thinks that he can get what he wants by dropping one, I am not, I personally am not doubting that he would, as horrific as that would be. The, what happened in 9-11 was a failure of imagination on the part of our intelligence agencies. And if we're not imagining that Putin is, is unafraid, look at what he's done to these cities in the Ukraine. He will, he will drop a nuclear bomb and we need to deter him. Well, under, under Biden, we've got a long list that the world already knows of things we won't do in response to Putin and his aggression. He, he knows the list, so he can go and do whatever he wants. He knows the list of what we're not going to do. No one ever knew that with, with the yeah. previous president. So there's, there's a basis for a whole other show is this question of what's going on between Russia and China. Because I see it, you know, a lot of people are seeing that they're sidled up together. And there's, there's certainly energy deals and monetary deals and maybe even military support deals going on. But actually, Russia has a huge border with China. They had fought wars between the Soviet Union and Mao Zedong under the original communist government. There were war, wars fought. And if Russia gets too weak, you could have horrible chaos in Central Asia. And China could become an aggressor against Russia. And people aren't thinking about that. And rightly, they're more concerned about Taiwan. And, but I think at this point, China... Is, I pray to God China is recognizing that they will have a hell of a time trying to take Taiwan. It will be much harder than Russia is having a hard time in Ukraine right now because there's an ocean you have to cross. There's Japan, Australia, the United Kingdom, France, and the United States, three of whom are, have nuclear weapons. And we will not let you take Taiwan. Don't, I mean, this is the scariest thing to me when Democrats are in charge is they may actually fail to tell our enemies, don't do the stupid stuff because we will punish you. We will punish you and you will suffer. It will be a quagmire for you. So I like national security. I know there's a lot of domestic stuff to cover. I really do think the illegal immigration issue is so important to the middle class in the United States. I think honestly in 2016, that was the sleeper issue that put President Trump in office. And I think President Trump made a tactical error. He got distracted with COVID. He did not talk about his success with illegal immigration. He, he did a very good job of building the border wall. I've been down to see the fence. It's technically a fence. It, I've seen Bill Maher make fun of it because it had slats. You know, it wasn't a wall. It had slats that people could pass a bag of drugs through. And it's true. People could pass, even a small child maybe, fit through those slats. But you can't drive across it. The Border Patrol can see through it and see what people are doing on the other side. And it is a war zone as this little skirm. I mean, it's not a skirmish. It's a battalion element scale effort to suppress the Mexican government's control of Mexico right across our border. We need a border protection agency. And we honestly, I think we should put our military on the border. But um, anyway, that's about it for the show. You've been listening to the Jeff Gorman show. We are, we call it the conservative view. I am not afraid to call it the Republican view, but we definitely understand there are independents that are quite conservative. When it comes down to it, the word conservative, what are we trying to conserve? Our freedom. And that means liberty. I will be your law and order representative. Your personal security and the security of your liberties will always be my top priority. That is from my candidate statement. I'm looking forward to being your congressman here in Congressional District 19 on the Central Coast. Thank you for listening to the show. Hope you tune in next Saturday at 4. This is Jeff Gorman signing out. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. <laughs>